The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Church of Roy, a sports drink original podcast. Morning today's show may include adult language. And here are your hosts, Ryan Wilcox and Steve Ewald. Welcome everybody to the latest edition of the Church of Roy podcast. We are back in our respective home states uh, for a full episode this week. I'm your host, Steve Dewald, as always, and joined as always, well, most of the time always, uh, Brian Wilcox, our man in Denver. Brian, how are you doing today? Missed you last week, buddy. How are you doing? Hey, man, I was ready to go on the on the standard date and time, but logistics yeah. got in our way, right? So things are good this way, man. We're uh, creeping forward to another season, and I can't wait. Yeah, I'm we're ready. we're we're. I mean, we're still kind of in the the news dead zone, but we did get a little bit of news today that we will talk about here in a second. But um, you know, last week, I I was uh. I learned a lot about the Denver airport and just it's crazy layout and riding the train and I did get to have Shake Shack. So it wasn't a total loss, but, um, but definitely a, a long, long day of travel. So I appreciate everybody putting up with us, putting up with a short show last week, but um, yeah. The airport is kind of a, it's kind of a nightmare, man. Like, it's so damn busy. Like when I fly back to Northwest, either Seattle or Portland, I'm like, Oh, this is relaxing in comparison to the to DIA. It's, it's wild out there. Yeah, I I think the what there's there's some really awesome conspiracy theories about the the complex though. I believe it's like oh, yeah. originally oh, yeah. thought to be like built by the Illuminati or to hide some like top secret documents. So that's fun. I didn't find any of that. I didn't find any pyramids with eyeballs and all that shit. So, but anyway, let's let's talk about what we need to talk about today, which as I alluded to the Blazers made kind of just by the timing of it, a surprising roster move. I'm not. And when I say surprising, it's timing, not really what happened. Um, they waived Didi Luzada who came over in the CJ McCollum trade as kind of part of that filler. Um, obviously that's a trade that's headlined by Josh Hart and some draft compensation that was later used to acquire uh, 
Jeremy Grant. Um, Didi only appeared in seven games for the Blazers last season. Uh, one start uh, really had a listless uh, summer league performance this year. Um, something me and Brian talked about on this show. Um, he, he is now waived. Uh, according to Keith Smith, uh, NBA reporter kind of bounces all over on different publications. Um, revealed through a league source, the Blazers are going to waive and stretch Didi's contract. So basically, instead of taking that like $1.6 million hit all at once, they're going to spread that out over the next several years. So it'll be about $270,000 per year until through the 2028-29 season. So if you're doing math at home, my daughter is four years old. <laughs> she will be 11 when this comes off the books. <laughs> so um, she will have a whole new digit uh, in her age. So uh, definitely something that we're accustomed to here in Portland. Um, Anderson Verjao, Andrew Nicholson. Um, now we add Didi to the, the dead cap hall of fame in Portland. Um, the first of Mr. Joe Cronin's along with, I think Eric Bledsoe is also in there too now. So um, Brian, what do you make of the DD cut? Obviously we we've talked a little bit about his performances. Yeah. I think the summer league performance pretty much shut the door on his future in Portland. I mean, he just didn't look like an NBA player there. So can't say I'm surprised. I was a little surprised they couldn't just offload him for the second rounder down the road or something like that. But really this wave and stretch provision isn't, I mean, 270 grand a year is just a drop in the bucket. It's just kind of hard to believe that, you know, in the year of our Lord 2030 or whatever, we'll still be on spoke track looking up, looking up, you know, multi-year blazer salaries. We're going to see DD's name there. So, um, yeah, he's definitely joined the Dead Cap Hall of Fame and and uh, really carrying the torch for Andrew Nicholson, even though it's a much much lower figure. Yeah, uh, it's crazy to me that like how how ridiculous that number is going to look after the new media deal. <laughs> like yeah. it'll be around, like, and th- at that point, it's just going to be a thorn in the side of people who uh, spend a lot of time tracking Blazer salary <laughs> in their own spreadsheet. Like they have to mm-hmm. constantly remember that going forward. So my heart goes out to them. Um, although something strikes me that people like that will enjoy a little added difficulty and something like that. Um, as far as DD goes as, as a future player, like you said, it is a still only 23 years old, unable to offload him for anything, whether that's even just like a future protected top 59 protected draft pick. Like you, you just couldn't do, couldn't do it. Um, I do think Didi's professional career still has a long ways to go. I just don't know if that's going to be in the NBA. Um, he is from Brazil. I would expect him to continue to be a part of their program that they're running down mm-hmm. there. Um, and then also he has experience playing overseas, as we've talked about before. He played in Australia's top league before coming into the NBA. So this is the last we've seen of Didi probably in Portland. Um but I don't know if we, I, I think we'll hear about him down the road. I'll be one of those people maybe in the Olympics. So when we see Brazil play like, Oh, I remember when yeah. D Luzada was a blazer. So, um, and there's, there's plenty of those types of players out there. So there are, uh, um, do you see this, you know, this does open up a roster spot, Steve, mm-hmm. do you see Portland doing anything with that roster spot? Or do you think this is just a cost cutting move in order to kind of hedge, hedge off that 
repeater tax, which I think we all know Portland's going to be going into the tax soon. I, do you see them doing anything with it, or is it purely financial? I mean, the Blazers did make a point to really kind of get on the train more than we've seen them in the last couple of years of creating a competitive environment and training camp by bringing in a couple faces of, of guys that are, are, you know, fringe NBA players, people who are competing for roster spots. Um, that being said, I, I think those are more candidates for like a two-way contract. Um, mm-hmm. I see this more as I would not be shocked if the Blazers enter the season with 14 players on its roster and they keep a little bit of that flexibility heading into the trade deadline um, where I do think they will make a move. Um, hopefully it's a move to bolster their competitive nature, which we'll talk about the schedule here in a second, but um, hopefully that's the direction they go. But we've seen Joe Cronin be in the office or, or seen the Blazers operate where they like to have that extra slot where they can do a two for one trade or a one for two um, if they want to. And it just gives them a little bit of added flexibility. And and even if it's a minor move, it's nice to have that little cushion. Now, of course, if injuries change the name of the game here early in the season, um, I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The Blazers can definitely go out and fill that, and, and but I just I don't see them necessarily gobbling it up right now especially when it looks like this is more of a a cap saving move or or luxury tax dodge type move your thoughts i'm with you man i I think it maintains a little flexibility moving forward and it was a good it was a good move cap wise Mm -hmm. anybody who says that just ownership being cheap it's just dodging the repeater tax if you don't need to jump in it a year early is just sound financial moves i'm fine with it so, yeah, uh, uh, just real quick looking back at the C.J. McCollum trade. Um, obviously, we know the big names, but, like, the Blazers took a couple flyers on young players in that trade. Um, obviously, yeah. Josh Hart is part of this long-term plan, but Nikhil Alexander-Walker, um, very short-lived part, never never actually showed up for Portland, was immediately flipped to the Jazz, um, was part of that trade from New Orleans, and then obviously Didi only seven games with the Blazers before um, being waived. So... Let's talk a little bit about the schedule. Um, we haven't had a chance to talk about it on this show, 
uh, I wanted to just look at a couple things that stood out to me um, and some spots that look a little rough maybe. And then some spots where, you know, there's one little stretch that I'm really interested to see um, because it seems like it's right in Portland's wheelhouse. But Brian, why don't you kick us off? Why don't you point to one part of the schedule that stuck out to you and, and, and why, why it, why it did that, I guess. Absolutely, man. So for me, the first spot that just jumped out is the first 10 games of the year. You know, you're going Mm -hmm. at Sacramento, Phoenix at home, at LA Lakers, home for Denver, Miami, Houston, and Memphis, uh, back-to-back at Phoenix and at Miami. And so you throw in three games against Phoenix in your first 10. Yeah. um, At LA, who, you know, third game of the regular season are likely going to be healthy. That'll be a challenge. Uh, Denver's tough, Miami's tough, and it's in Memphis. So, oh, and then another one at Miami. To me, it's just kind of a, you know, we're going to really see how Dame looks early. And if he's able to kind of turn it on against teams of this caliber early, I think we'll know he's in for a big season. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Portland kind of stumble out of the gate a little bit, just trying to get the team kind of coalesce back together, back playing competitive basketball, mm-hmm. which they haven't done for yeah. a year. And so, so – Some longer if you're shading sharp. Sound the horn, people. I oh, did it again. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't take long. But, yeah, to me, that first 10 games, I could see some hand-rigging from, from, you know, a lot of us watching the team. But I think if you escape that 500, you have to be thrilled, which yeah. prob- probably isn't, you know, you're not setting the world on fire there, but if they come out of that 500, I think we're in for a pretty good year. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of early tests. Now, mine isn't exactly just the first 10 games. It, it kind of just extends that, but there is some overlap on the part of the schedule that stood out to me for those reasons. And mm-hmm. that is that that first big road trip they go on where it starts yeah. November 4th. You get back-to-back against Phoenix you go to Miami, you go to Charlotte, but more importantly, you're playing New Orleans and Dallas at the end of that. And those are teams mm-hmm. that I really think the Blazers are directly competing with. And those are the teams you have to beat even early in the season, because I think this Western conference race, something we've already talked about is going to be extremely tight and having those heads up tiebreakers and owning the season series is crucially important, especially when you're talking about a New Orleans team that's going to be reintegrating Zion Williamson, playing along C.J. McCollum for the first time, and then also um, in Dallas where you have this new look, Christian Wood, is that going to work with Luka? Those are games you have to win. Um, Love to split with Phoenix, like you said, 500 wins here, but definitely looking for a positive outcome from this road trip um, is going to set the tone early. Uh, Chauncey Billups is going to get tested very early in the season. That's one thing I keep coming back to is I think we're going to learn a lot about Chauncey Billups very early because there was, we really couldn't take a lot from the last half of last year. So that's the first section that stands out to me. Very similar to yours. I mean, definitely overlap there. Is there another spot you want to point to, Brian? I was just going to point to the schedulers didn't do us any favors on that road trip, man. Six gamer. Um, you know, every team's tough, save Charlotte. And then the last two, at New Orleans and at Dallas. And to your point, just people will be jockeying with likely all year for, for mm-hmm. playoff positioning. So that's just brutal. Um, the other stretch I had is from December 10th to December 23rd. And it's a home-and-home home with Minnesota. And then it's a six-game road trip. 
Um, granted, you know, there's two games against Oklahoma City in there, uh, one, one against Houston, one against San Antonio, which should not be, you know, they shouldn't be good teams. But coming into that break, I think guys have a tendency to kind of gear down. And it's not a long break for these guys, but just that holiday and a little reset. To me, those are absolute trap games. And that being on the road <laughs> on the tail tail end of a road trip where, you know, we're going to need every win we can get this year. And so you have to beat the Oklahoma Cities and the, and the Houston's and the San Antonio. So dropping a couple there before the Christmas, you know, short Christmas break, I think would really hurt this team. And to me, that's just, it's got trap written all over it. Yep. Um, I, I swear we didn't practice this because <laughs> this is the second – uh, spot I kind of have not exactly complete overlap once again, but I'm looking at that road trip. Uh, I don't know what they they used to have a name, you know, the Texas Rodeo or the Rodeo. Yeah, rodeo. yeah the the te- the Texas Shuffle is what I'm going to call it. But anyway, just it, it kind of <laughs> indicates how the times have changed. Now, officially, since the Spurs seem very much pivoting into a rebuild, I mean, just think of the last two decades in general, the Spurs. The Mavericks, Houston, and yeah. Oklahoma City. That used to just be such a nightmare part and like such a nightmare road trip. And now, like, I look at it, I'm like, oh, thank God. But again, if if that's how the Blazers are thinking, again, it falls into your line of thinking where these could be potential trap games. But I am optimistic that this is the part of the schedule after that brutal kind of, you know, 14 to 16 games to start the season. This mm-hmm. could be where – the Blazers climb to 500 or just above 500. Um, and maybe everybody kind of just takes a collective um, exhale in Portland and, and sees maybe how this roster is kind of coming together. Um, gives them a full month of playing together, a little over that. So hopefully things are starting to gel at that point. So again, we're looking at the same parts of the schedule here. Um, I'll go ahead and transition into to my third one. And that's really – a spot where we've seen the Blazers be really competitive under Young Terry Stotts. Um, I also are, are we going to overlap again? I bet we do. Yeah, like, like. <laughs> so um, uh, we saw even a little bit last year with Chauncey Billups. This was a team that you know started to win some games and then they really shut it down. But I'm looking at starting on the homestand before the NBA All Star break, starting on February sixth running till February 14th. And so if you haven't looked ahead, the all-star break this next year, the all-star game is on February 19th of this next year. So you have that big long break between the third, the 14th and the 23rd Um, really some competitive games in there, but maybe a chance to catch someone sleeping or thinking about the all-star break. So you have the bucks, the warriors, Oklahoma city, Los Angeles, and Washington, and then you go into the All-Star break. Um, you, I would hope they catch the L, the Lakers here. Um, Golden State should be a good game, and then obviously the Bucks. you're playing against, you know, like the Warriors, a, a title DNA-type team. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, a spot where – another spot where, like December, hopefully the Blazers still have a little bit of that in them. It's something that's in Damian Lillard's DNA since he's been in the league. Um maybe they can make up some ground here if they are still playing from behind the ball. Brian, I have a feeling you're looking at the same spot. No, so when you went down the road of, you know, Portland always turns it on. I thought you were talking like the very end of the year because they do Mm. that shit too. So that's what I was keying in on. Uh, For me, it was the last five games. Um, You have a five-game homestand. 
And then you go into at Minnesota, at Memphis, at San Antonio, at the Clippers, and then Golden State at home. And as we've beat the dead horse on, this is going to be a tight Western Conference. Every game at that you know tail end of the season is going to matter, especially that Memphis and Minnesota games mm-hmm. to me are going to be are going to be huge. And so you're not getting any breaks, kind of coming down the stretch there. And we've seen this team, you know, kind of wait until late to turn it on, you know, maybe all-star break at the end of the year just to, just to get into the playoffs. And so if it's as tight as we think this Western conference is going to be, then these last five games are just going to be critical with four on the road. And uh, the last game of the year, you're playing golden state on the end of a back-to-back and that could have just huge implications for, for playoff seating. So that really stuck out at me, just that little mini road trip followed by back-to-back at home versus the Warriors. Yeah, when you're looking at the end of that schedule, you're not only are you looking where these teams are clustered around the play-in bubble, but you're also looking at what that cluster is like on the top when you're talking about home court advantage throughout the postseason. So ideally, you're hoping maybe the Warriors don't really have much to play for on that last day. Maybe they're already set. Maybe that's what they they look to to rest some of their players. L.A., you know, could theoretically be in the similar type situation if everybody stays healthy. Um, they might already have home court locked up um, or at least in the first round home court. Maybe they're not looking to to do too much down the stretch. Um, but I agree with you. I think the Minnesota game is going to be very interesting. Memphis, like L.A., could be in the same boat. But I, I think L.A. and Memphis are probably still going to be playing meaningful basketball at the end of the season. Um, yeah. Even if it's just jockeying and making sure that they're getting the matchup they want. Um but yeah, definitely a, a, a tough way to go out when it's four out of five on the road to, to finish your season, but um, especially with it being a back-to-back at the end. But um, again, we're fingers crossed, hoping. Well, I guess ideally the Blazers would have nothing to play for at the end of the year. Yeah, exactly. And, and hopefully they we're shutting home, down. Yeah, hopefully they have home court locked up. But um, I think the more likely is we're probably hoping that Golden State doesn't have much to play for right at the very end of the season. So. Absolutely. So, talking about something to play for, we're actually going to get some interesting basketball in the next week. Um, they've already been kind of playing these warm-up games, and, and it started, but Eurobasket 2022, Eurobasket's back after a five-year um, absence. I mean, it is on a four-year cycle, but COVID's kind of complicated all of that. Um, for the Blazers, starting center is playing Yusuf Nurkic, is representing Bosnia and Herzegovina. Uh, they are in a very tough group. Um, mm-hmm. So right now, just looking at the big picture for Bosnia's chances in this tournament, they are currently plus fifteen thousand to win this thing. So the Ooh. only the only two countries with longer odds are Estonia and Hungary. So. Damn. Luckily for Bosnia, their first game is against Hungary, so they are the favorite right now going into this weekend's games. Um, and you can also kind of, if you are the betting type, you can get in on a little action for use of Nurkic to lead the group stage in rebounds if you're a true degenerate, which I believe is about plus 1,800. Um, so I like it. I know. I kind of like I like those odds. I might be sniffing around that one. But I mentioned Bosnia's group. Here's what it is. You got France, led by Rudy Gobert and a bunch mm-hmm. of other NBA guys. I'm not going to list them all because they're loaded. Um, you have Germany with Dennis Schroeder, Franz Wagner, and Daniel Tice. Hungary, 
not really any NBA guys on that team. Lithuania, Jonas Valanciunas, and DeMontis Sabonis, you know, following in the footsteps Oof. of his father. Um, and then Slovenia in the group as well, which a little guy named Luka Doncic, don't know if you've heard of him. And then you have the Dragic brothers, uh, Goran being the leading one of those two. So nightmare group, <laughs> but we're going to see some interesting matchups. We've seen uh, a viral video uh, of Yusuf Nurkic absolutely jamming all over some dude in, in the warm up <laughs> to this. So uh, I want more of that in the regular season. Um, Nurk looks like he's lean, mean, ready to get this thing rolling. What are you most excited for outside of just being able to watch basketball? Um, are you looking forward to from Yusuf Nurkic and Bosnia? Man, I hope some more, more poster dunks. Like, yeah, I absolutely that play was killer because he had a nice little fake pass that got Gobert out of the lane, and he just went and crammed it on some dude. And you know, got, the big fell's looking pretty spry. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really good to see. Um, he he was also uh, saw another clip of him uh, taking Gobert down the block, hitting a little jump hook on him, and giving him the too small, <laughs> too small deal when he's coming back up the court. So. I think Nurk's in prime form right now. He's talking shit. He's paid, yep. and he's taking big Frenchmen to the block. So it's everything you'd like to see. I just like to see a lot more of that. Um, you know, another Gobert Nurk matchup would be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And then I obviously just want to see him. You know, I'm, I'm sure he'll get matched up in Luca with Luca in space. You know, the international game's a little different, but mm-hmm. can he hold his own there? What does that look like? You know, it's been a while since we've seen Nurk really. You know, I guess midway point of last year, so. Just kind of want to see how he's looking kind of out on an island. I think that's going to be really important in this upcoming year as it always is, just perimeter defense from a front court. So uh, to me, it's just guarding NBA talent on the perimeter and then also banging down low with a guy like Gobert. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, for me, I'm excited for just some of these traditional matchups he's going to get um, in this tournament. Uh, we mentioned Gobert already, you know, traditional center. He's going to get to work in the post against him. Um Germany, same thing. Daniel Tice, that's a, that's an interesting mm-hmm. matchup. I want to see. Um, just make sure he can, you know, he wins those battles. Um, and then really, you know, I'm really looking forward to the Lith- Lithuania matchup. One because I like both of Lithuania's guys and Jonas Valanciunas and Demontis Sabonis, obviously, but just a fun matchup. A lot of like very much teams that are built from the post out. Um, obviously Lithuania is a little more of a complete team, but, um, should be a very fun matchup to see Nurk hopefully get involved on the offensive end, not just looking for his own shot and working out of the post, but like, I'm hoping that he is, you know, really that focal point of their offense and really is passing out of those situations, stuff that could translate to what they need him to do for the Blazers this year on the offensive end, because as we've talked about over and over again, the need for connective players on this roster mm-hmm. is prevalent. Um, so, so go ahead. Quick, quick question on Nurk's offensive game. You think he's going to be kind of that connector we'd like to see for Portland with Bosnia in this, in this hero basket, or do you think he's going full Trent and Watford trying shit <laughs> in summer league? <laughs> Where do you think he lands on the spectrum here? Do you think he's going to get out? I think he calls his own, his own number a little bit more just with the talent that's around him, but I, we'll I I think he's not going to be afraid to to get his own in these games. I don't <laughs> make no bones about it. But I also think he will uh, 
I think other teams know that. I think he will adjust accordingly, hopefully. And, you know, I have faith that he'll, he'll try some stuff, especially when you're playing in a tournament where, you know, you have guys like DeMontis Savonis, you have Nikola Jokic, you have guys that are going to be making waves, not only with their scoring, uh, but with their passing. And I think Yusuf Nurkic has always been one to, to maybe get in on that. We've always seen him try a few more things when he's going against uh, the Joker and, or yeah. has that coming up on the schedule. So I would not I think be surprised. If that, Go ahead. If that ball hits the post, unless there's a double coming, <laughs> that, thing's going, that thing's going towards the basket, maybe. At least it better be. So as far as games go, you're going to be able to see, I believe, all these games on ESPN+. Plus If you subscribe there, um, these are very early starts. So I think uh, the group that uh, Bosnia is in is in uh, – I, the Americans call it Cologne, but it's Cologne, Germany, and uh, they uh, they're playing there in a nice twenty thousand seat arena. Um, but five thirty a.m. Pacific time starts, um, and that gets that gets started on Thursday, um, Thursday five a.m. And then you know they just kind of work into next week, and then we get into the knockout round if Bosnia makes it there, where you're going to see a lot of basketball very quickly. This thing wraps up in a couple weeks, so. It is going to be very fast paced, but regardless of what we see from Yusuf Nurkic and what we see, you know, from this tournament, there is one thing that we can take away from this. It's something new that I did not know about Yusuf Nurkic prior to reading the Eurobasket program, specifically the area catered to Yusuf Nurkic. So there's a little bio under everybody, lets them know where they're playing and, and all this. And so they introduced Yusuf Nurkic. Explain the story we all know about, you know, his huge father, um, the authorities mm. arrive, they see how big uh, he is and they, you know, recruit him to play, but they also toss in a little nugget about your Yusuf Nurkic's grandpa in here. And he says, Yusuf's <laughs> younger brother is also a big guy and their grandpa was so strong. He once grabbed a bull by the horns and threw him down. <laughs> So that's something new. I love that it made the media profile. I want to see, you know, I want to see Yusuf Nurkic recreate his grandfather's action. We got to make it happen. Let's get him down to McMinnville. Let's get him to Oregon's wine country. Let's get him around some cows with horns. I know it's an injury risk, probably not built into the contract, but I want to see the big fella. I want to see the Bosnian beast go toe to toe with an Oregon cow or bull more specifically i love how the nurkic family is just renowned for feats of strength like that's just their whole calling card is just being big and strong and yeah my grandpa threw threw a steer down her bull. <laughs> like yeah. excuse me that made yeah. a media guide yeah yeah that's a that's what the media guide for Eurobasket 2022 is bringing to the table um i think we need more media guides like that yeah. frankly and then also, too, some former Blazers that are going to be in this tournament. Obviously, Rudy Fernandez is still kicking around for that Spain team. Um, but you do have one player that the Blazers actually have the rights to. Our boy from Montenegro, Bohan Dublovich. He's back, oh, baby. Well, let's go. Let's and go. his profile is very heavy on how much he likes to listen to Slipknot at full volume <laughs> in the locker room. So I'm not sure how that would have fit into Portland's grand scheme of things. Um, if you remember, 
uh, Boyan Doublevich was part of, I believe, the Jake Lehman trade in yeah, 2019. Not, not, not like, at all. They didn't, like, didn't even register. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's the time. I think I wrote, like, a, at one time, wrote a full feature on, on Boyan Doublevich. Like, he was going to play someday for the Blazers. Definitely not happening. Listen, these media guys are incredible. I mean, how can we mo- – I think the Blazers should really try to model theirs around that. But – I, I I talked. I I just want to hear feats of strength from the Lillard family. Uh, I I don't think I think it should just be feats of strength for each family is what they these should be. So um, I think there's some, probably some good stuff out there. There's probably a couple of wild stories about Gary Payton Senior out there. I I almost guarantee it. But um, yeah. speaking of media guys, you didn't get a chance to comment. I just briefly, but um. What's your take on, on, you know, Portland fans kind of rose up and and said it was unacceptable um, that the team would not be traveling on the road. Um, I know you yourself uh, were very vocal about it. Um, what do you make one of the thought process that led to it and then the reverse course? <laughs> like, what's what's your thoughts? I think the thought process that went into it was obviously flawed. That was a stupid way to save money for a very wealthy ownership group. And it just looked like you didn't care about the product. Um, I, I was just dumbfounded how they, how they decided that actually be a good idea. Um, especially as a team that doesn't have a G league you know, team that you can poke some holes in their willingness to spend money already. And then to just come out and do that was absolutely tone deaf. And I think that the fandom responded accordingly I know I sent in a couple complaints, strongly worded. And uh, yeah, I think their decision to, to go back on it was the right one. And, you know, no hard, no foul. They, they fixed it. Let's move on. I think it was, you know, blood in, blood out. So they poor Didi Luzada had to get cut. So, so they, know, they, they, could, so they the could send him on the road. Because the they're like, I will stretch this. The next owner will pay this, this asshat salary. <laughs> like, that's uh, that's what I think it is. I think it's blood in, blood out, man. But, um, no, I like I said this last week. It, it was at least nice to hear that the Blazers were somewhat responsive um, yep. to their fans' request here. Um it really just hits home. I, I think I mentioned it or maybe I didn't, or I just thought it, but apologies if I'm repeating myself, but watching this new show uh, about Wrexham, which if you haven't watched it, it's on FX. It's about uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, who from sunny in Philadelphia, who, who bought a fifth tier English team. That's actually in Wales. Oh, right. And yep. they're just like literally building it from the ground up with their hopes of moving it up the football chain in, in, in England, in the UK. Um, and it really makes you wonder, you know, the organization starts with the little things. It starts with doing the right things throughout the organization. And that's something where, you know, the Jody Allen era has had some real hits and some real misses in my opinion. And it'll be very interesting to see how it goes going forward. Um, and really what new ownership is going to look like eventually, even though Jody Allen is, you know, certainly posturing in the media right now that they, she's not interested in selling this team. Um, it's going to happen. I trust Adam Silver. And when he comments on the situation, I, I believe that more than, you know, billionaires arguing through media outlets. Um, 100%. It, it makes me, a li- I mean, nervous and excited for what new, new ownership could be. Um, 
and what, you know, that new excitement in the organization could be um, and what the timing will be and how that lines up with Damian Lillard and the rest of his career in Portland. But anyway. yeah, the chorus, the, the calls for uh, Joey to sell the team. I don't know if they've ever been louder, at least in my little echo chamber, as far as people's, you know, mm-hmm. question what the hell is going on. So um, yeah, I've never felt more, strongly about her need to sell the team. I just thought that was a chicken shit move. And you wouldn't see Joe Lacob do that in Golden State. You wouldn't see Guzbeck, whatever his name is, in Boston. Like, it's just not something top-flight organizations would even consider. The fact that they actually announced that shit, like, it wasn't going to be, like, like there wasn't going to be a ton of backlash and just, or maybe, maybe they did anticipate a little bit, but just not as much as they got. But either way, it's just, I'm with you, man. A, a new ownership group would be really interested with this with this group and I think it's sorely needed. Well, and I think too is it sounds minimal when you're talking about the broadcast, but like just in my own experience after being out there for a while is the transformation of the Chicago Blackhawks in a year in like a generation, whereas they were a team that really cut costs on, you know, TV exposure, broadcast uh, accessibility to, to their product. And they lost a whole generation of Blackhawk fans. Their their product suffered, the team suffered. And then mm-hmm. when things started turning around, they made it easier to view their product. They they welcomed fans back. They made it available to eyeballs in a very competitive sports market. And lo and behold, you know, they turn around and you know, they were a dynasty at the first part of, you know, last decade and still very much have some of those players around, which they're in a rebuilding mode. But I think it don't understate the importance of what the broadcast product does for kids like us, how we grew up where we don't have access to, to go to the games very often. I mean, the broadcast mm-hmm. is the backbone, whether that be the radio, whether that be television, which a lot of my younger years were it was more on the radio than it was on TV. But um, yeah, I, it pains me to see them at one execute a plan and then have to go back on it. At least they went back on it, but it is very troubling to me. And I also think like Phil Knight was not stupid to bring up to, to make sure it became known that he put an offer in because I mean, he's everybody's favorite uncle here in, in Oregon for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even really think about just how that impacts the fan experience. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's the one way a lot of people get to consume the team, myself included, for the most part, not living mm-hmm. in, the, in Oregon anymore. So, um, yeah, alienating a group of fans through a low budget, low, low <laughs> quality uh, broadcast, probably not the best long term business move. So, yeah, at least they went back on it, man. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to have. Some Yusuf Nurkic basketball this weekend. We're going to have the NFL's coming up. A lot of us are going to be doing fantasy drafts, uh, ourselves included. Um, So good luck to everybody out there on that front. I I hope the player you really want falls to you and somebody takes someone you don't like in your league, takes someone who's clearly injured and they don't know it. That's I don't know what's better. (laughs) Would you rather have a player you really want fall to you or would you rather have your league rival pick someone who's going to go on IR? Uh, that's a tough one. I'd, I'd probably say the player I want really fall me, you know, just do the best you can with your squad and let the chips fall where they may. I don't know, man. There's, there's like 11 other teams out there. You still got to worry about that. So 
I'm kind of last chance, last chance, last dance with Mary Jane here. I'm going to be pretty Tom Petty here. I, I like it when, uh, I like it when someone takes someone who's clearly hurt or just lost their starting job, especially if I don't like them. Um, which my fantasy leagues are filled with people I don't like. You know who you are. <laughs> but, no, uh, no I, I love it. I, I also love it in auction drafts, which this has bit me in the ass before, but, um, throwing players that still have value that's way above what they should be valued at, whether this person has been cut, uh, injured, or, is on, or has lost their starting job. I love to throw those people into the auction if someone's on auto so they get their cap all eaten up by someone who oh, they should it's di- diabolical. Yeah, just being a real a-hole. So anyway, <laughs> that's all we got this week. Um, we appreciate all you guys. Uh, we're, we're getting more into the normal schedule of things. I am going to be on the road a little bit. I'm actually going to go be with Brian in Denver here in a few weeks. So um, maybe we'll have an in-person recording. Who knows? So, all right, everybody. Anything before we go, Brian? No, man. Um, Hopefully you draft an injured guy this weekend, and I will talk to you soon. All right. I mean, we can all agree that we hope Michael Ramirez drafts an injured person. I think we can say that comfortably. Because he's not listening. So, and if you know him, that's funny. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Church of Roy podcast. If you like what you've heard, go ahead and subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcasts. And while you're at it, go follow us on Twitter at Church of Roy Pod. We'll see you next week.